Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. I'm in the bathroom, right? I'm in the bathroom. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Gospel Bible Chat Room. I'm Pastor Ruth Gardner, and we are here tonight as we continue our study on the Book of Romans. Um, we're going to open up in prayer. Pastor John, would you lead us in prayer? And then the next voice you'll hear is me, <laughs> and we'll continue on with the studies. Go ahead, Pastor John. You're muted. I'm sorry. <laughs> you heard me through the wall. Yes, I did. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for bringing us together, God, one more time, God, and allowing us to join together to learn of you, God. And God, we thank you for the speaker, for the teacher on today, God. And we pray that you continue to bless her and continue to grant her fresh wisdom, God. God, we thank you, God, for all that you are doing in our lives, God. And just all that you are showing us, God, as we continue to go through the book of of, uh, of Romans, God, teaching the teachings of the of Paul, God, help us to understand not only the the teachings of Paul, but his character, God, and God, just show us the the hidden things in your Word, God, give us fresh revelation of your Word, and we thank you, and we just pray that you continue to lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. 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 So we're going to go ahead and we're going to do like we've done before. We'll play uh, parts of the scripture um, on the audio Bible, and then we'll pause and then we'll discuss about the different sections. Okay, here we go. Chapter four. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, is pertaining to the flesh had found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessed. Okay. All right. And that was verses one through eight. Um, so continuing what Paul was saying in chapter three, 
he turns our attention to Abraham. I know we've been um, pretty much kind of off the past couple of weeks and the things that we were talking about, just to recap in um, uh, chapter three, that Paul points in the last chapter to say that not because that being Jewish is of no value, but to make it clear that being Jewish was not what saves a person. That was what he was talking in chapter two. Now in chapter three, he talked about grace and the purpose of grace. And um, he also covered that um, basically what he was saying was that the law, the what Paul says instead is that the value of the law is to make us aware that we are sinners. The law proclaims to each of us that we are not righteous in God's sight. It proves to us now and to the people in the Old Testament that we are justly deserving punishment from God. The law cannot make us clean. It can only make us guilty. And that the basically the law was like as a um, mirror or, or a guide or an outline or a compass to see where we were in relationship with God. Um, it wasn't meant for us to be, um, do the law and, we, and we're good. There's more than just obeying the law. And this is where we're getting into now because um, now Paul is opening our eyes up to faith. He talks about the law and faith um, in chapter three. Then he talks about self-justification also but now he's going we're going into faith okay so he turns his attention to abraham and abraham's righteousness in the old testament was not from his adherence to god's law but from his trust in god so what the issue was that was going on at this time is that people were basing their salvation on just merely being obedient to the law. Um, you know, keeping the Ten Commandments, following the Jewish laws, doing all that um, they felt was justified, was good enough. But what Paul is trying to do, he's trying to make a transition from just being obedient to just the law and what the, what the uh, Torah says to being, but, but also trusting and believing in Jesus and in God. So he's trying to make this transition that a lot of the Sadducees and Pharisees and the people in the Old Testament were stuck on. They were stuck on the Jewish traditions and the Jewish laws. But Paul and Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he also came to, to shift us to a, a new mindset, a new way of living a new way of salvation and that is trust and believe in him and in the father so in genesis 15 and 6 he's uh the bible tells us that abraham believed god and it was credited to him for as righteousness throughout romans paul will make it abundantly clear that no one has ever been justified by their works unfortunately there was still just as a prevalent an idea as it is was as it was in Paul's day. Let me say that again because I'm talking too fast. Unfortunately, this is still just as prevalent 
an idea as it was in Paul's day. Far too many people believe they must do good and do enough good to outweigh the bad to get into heaven. Once again, um, I remember uh, a while ago, a long time ago, somebody said to me, um, oh, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be saved. All I got to do is do good, treat people good, do good, and I'll be saved. And I said, no, it's more than that. It's more than that. Uh, we can refer this to, uh, they call it the hallmark Christianity. These notions of doing good, enough good, so that the St. Peter will weigh your actions on scales to decide whether to let you into heaven, make for good cartoons and greeting cards, but they are absolutely incorrect. The pagan Eastern philosophy of karma is much the same. If we do enough good, good things will come to us. And likewise, if we do enough bad, bad things will happen to us. There is no place in the Bible, Old Testament or new, where we can find this kind of theology. But it remains an ever-present reality in the church today. You know, we hear that terminology, God don't like ugly. That's where that comes from. So if you do good, you do enough good, you get good things. If you do enough bad things, bad things will happen to you. And it comes that phrase, God does not like ugly. What are your thoughts on that? Somebody, anybody, talk to me. Let's, let's have a conversation. What are your thoughts on that? If you do good, good things will come to you. If you do bad, bad things will come to you. That's kind of like that whole karma thing that a lot of people believe in, honestly. Right, that's what I just said. So <laughs> I'm just saying this. You can't earn your way into heaven. It's not by your own works. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's 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 really along the lines of sowing and reaping. I think that that's what that is. When I think of karma, I think about the principle of sowing and reaping, you know, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Therefore, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I think that's what, that's what, for me, that's what it reminds me of. Mm -hmm. Like if you are sowing evil, then yes, you are going to reap evil. But if you are sowing good, and I know it can be, you know, tied into, you know, your offerings and what you give mm -hmm, and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the same could be applied. When you sow bad seeds, you reap bad seeds. And if you sow good seeds, you will reap good. But I don't think it has anything with you getting into heaven. That That is where I'm like, no, that does not apply there. You know, right. your actions will depict the outcome of, of like the consequences of your life. You mm -hmm. know, and it's oddly enough that a lot of, a lot of like those sayings and those philosophical sayings are really just, some of them are, they come from scripture. And it's just like, well, there's a scripture for that. There's a scripture for that. It wasn't that some wise person, you know what I'm saying? Like some, right. you know, and, and it, oh. once again, the enemy is a copycat. So even though it's earthly wisdom, it, it's still copied off the wisdom of God. So yes, there is wisdom. If you do bad things, you know, you're going to reap bad things. If you do good things, you're going to reap some good things. But once again, it, I don't think it has any relation with you going to heaven or hell. That's, that's mm -hmm. different. 
Right. So um, that's why, you know, also the Bible tells us, you know, as do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, and also it talks about how, you know, another uh, uh, situation or scenario where Jesus talks about giving your son um, a bread as, as opposed to a stone. You want to give him good things. So how much more will your father give you good things? You know what I'm saying? That scripture? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Y'all are going to come off a of mute and talk to me now. It's going to have I'm a good doing something right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. John, get off mute. No, <laughs> I'm only kidding. But yeah, that was a good point. Yes, because we talk about karma and it's now see. Now, it's saying that there's no place in the Bible, Old Testament, or New, where we can find this kind of theology. But like you said, um, you know, the principles of sowing and reaping is a different, different context, but you don't see it in terms of, like you said, getting into heaven. So, but there are some people today feel that if they do good and, you know, pay the tithes and and do this and do that, that they'll make it into heaven. They could be mean. They could be thieves, liars, fornicators, you know, drunkards, do all kinds of those things. But as long as they pay their tithes and, and get along with everybody and do good, you know, I'll make it in. And, and even some um, religions uh, believe that fact, believe that uh, principle. The Pharisees in Paul's day ta taught this kind of theology because it served them very well. For many dark years, they, this served the church clergy as well. If you are the teacher of God's word to others, especially to a most illiterate people without direct access to the Bible, you can be the arbiter of what is right and wrong. All too often, men in this position of power have twisted God's word to suit themselves. I had shared the other day how um, somebody was preaching something and it didn't line up. It was not even in the Bible. It was not even scriptural. And when they were preaching and talking about it, I went to look at the Bible and look it up for myself. Now they quoted the scripture. So and so scripture says, blah, 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 blah. blah. And, I, and, I, and I was like, what? And I went to go look because I knew a little bit about that. I didn't know as much as I do now, but I knew a little something, something. I said, I don't think that's, I don't think that's what that says. So I went back to it and I read it for myself. And sure enough, it was, he was totally in the field. It was totally out of context. And even when he quoted what he was saying was wrong. I was like, what is he talking about? And then I was like, okay. That's when I was like, you know what? Let me start reading this word for myself. And I realized that people were saying stuff across the pulpit don't mean, that does not make sense. It doesn't line up. And, you know, so that's why it's important to study the word for yourself. It's important mm -hmm. to spend time with God in prayer and in fasting and getting a revelation of his word. So, yeah. People so, like it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. In that line, talking about that, now, you know how Catholic Bible is different from the regular Holy Bible? 
Yes. They actually incorporated some of the books of the Apocrypha into their Bible, even though they were determined not to be reliable books. And apparently there is a teaching within the Catholic Church that comes from one of those Apocrypha books that basically tells them like if a loved one passes away and they did not live a Christian life, they can give a large sum of money to the church so that that person will make it into heaven. Really? That is crazy teaching. Really? Yes. That's why they be having like a lot of, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, um, memoriams and a lot of, uh, um, like they have a lot of memoriams and statues and stuff. Oh, they got statues all over the place. So they worship everybody but God. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> the the graven images of everybody, of all the saints. Mm -hmm. mm. But yeah, they incorporated one of the books of the Apocrypha basically because it benefited them. Mm. Wow, I didn't know that. That's very interesting. Paul likened this to a wage earner. If you work for someone, there was an agreement, either written or implied, that you deserve money for your hard work. The implication here is that if you work hard, you get paid. If you mess up, you also reap the negative consequences of that too. You are due the compensation for what you have done, good or bad, it's work karma. But if you haven't worked and the master gives you money as a gift, it is not tied to what you have done or accomplished. In that way, nothing can be taken away from you for messing up an assignment you haven't even been given. God's grace cannot be earned by our works, only accepted as a gift. So God's grace is a gift. He grants us grace regardless. I mean, that's why we see some people, <laughs> we see some people, you know, they just be messing up, just be all, just be messing up, just be messing up, messing up, messing up. But yet you'll see the hand of God on their life and grace. They'll just keep messing up, just keep messing up. And God will just grant them grace. We see it in, in the Bible with David, all the things that David did, but but he found grace in the sight of God. Um, we are not justified by our works because we are all sinful. We are justified by God's gift, say through our faith that he forgives our sins. So we are not justified by what we do, the good things we do. Because we're all simple. It, there's no good thing in our flesh. You know, we try to, if, okay, if you try to do it in your own strength, you're guaranteed to, to fail, you know? Um, so we are justified by God's gift and saved through our faith that he forgives our sins. We can't, how can I, I'm trying to get the right, I'm trying to say it the right way. We cannot get into heaven by be by crossing every T and dying every I. You know, there's a scripture I believe in is Isaiah it says, 
our righteousness are as a, are as filthy rags. rags. Yes, right. So we can't do it. You know, it's it's through our faith in God. It's it's through our faith that we believe that that this is real, that God is real, and that He has really actually forgiven us of our sins. That's where the heart change, the heart posture changes because we rely on God. Now, Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You know, it's not saying that, you know, just because you believe in God and you have faith in God, that you continue to disobey God and sin and, and, and live a life as a, as a hoodlum or hooligan, you know what I'm saying? You don't continue in that, in that lifestyle. You don't continue in that walk because of your faith and belief in God. Because if you believe in God, then you believe in what he represented and what he stood for. You believe in what he said, which that will cause your heart to change and that you want to do right. So it's not about the works itself that will get us into heaven, but it's our faith and our obedience to God. That's the difference. A lot of people feel that if they just do right and do this and do like, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, they felt that they believed to follow the Torah, got circumcised, did all these different things. They're going to make it in, even though there was no heart posture, there was no change of heart. There was no change of heart. You're just doing it because of what the law says. You're just doing it because that's what you were told to do. You're not doing it because you want to do it because of your faith in God and that you believe that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. It's not because you believe that, that you want to do it. You're doing it because of what is written in the word. That makes sense? Okay. Paul quotes where David said, Sorry, I got to turn off my microphone. Amen. <laughs> as I'm telling you, I keep muting yourself. Stop muting yourself. Um, Paul quotes where David said this same thing in the Old Testament. Again, pointing to the fact that no one has ever been saved through obedience. No one has ever been saved through obedience. It's through faith. What it is, it's you're saved through faith and what happens because of your faith then you become obedient it's not obedience first it's faith and then obedience because once you believe and you you trust and believe god you in yourself want to be obedient because you believe in what he stands for and what he says it's not that you want to be obedient first and that's the only thing. You're just going to be obedient to the word and be obedient to what, what the Bible says. You have faith first. You believe that he is. You believe in God and that God is real. Once you believe in God and, be, and you believe in, and trust in God, you automatically become obedient because of your faith and belief. Because you believe God, you're going to be obedient to God. That's what Paul is trying to say. So now we're going to go and we're going to listen through verses. Um, 
we're, gonna, we're still on chapter four. We're going to listen through verse nine through 12, because nine through 12 talks about obedience. So let's go there. Okay. Them upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Okay. So one of the main distinctions between the Jews and Gentiles of Paul's day was whether or not they were circumcised. And this was the biggie. This was the biggie conversation. This was the... this. This conversation of circumcision is even talked about in Galatians. Um, and I think in, what's the other book? I can't remember, but I know it's definitely talked in Galatians. The whole subject about circumcision, okay? The religious leaders taught that only the circumcised could know God because they were ones walking in obedience. It is true that the Jews were being obedient to God by being circumcised. But the fact that Jewish babies were circumcised had nothing to do with their salvation or standing with God. We learn here that Abraham's righteousness by faith was actually granted before God told him to be circumcised. Circumcision was given as a sign and a seal of that salvation and righteousness, not as the precursor to it. Did you hear that? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it was not, it wasn't like get circumcised once you get circumcised then you know you're walking you know you're going to be saved and you're walking in obedience no it was a sign that i am walking in obedience that i am i am i do believe i have faith in god and because mm -hmm. i have faith in god then god said okay now i want you to get circumcised don't get circumcised because you were you were um you were uh a jew Get circumcised because of your faith and that you believe. And this was a sign and a seal of that salvation and righteousness. And that way, obedience isn't without importance. To the contrary, it is very important. What it is, however, is unnecessary for salvation. So being obedient is very important but it's not a, it's not a it's not a requirement for salvation. So here's the thing. Your salvation is not predicated on your obedience, but obedience to God is important and it is necessary. But it's not like 
because I'm obedient, I, I'm, I, I have salvation. No, it's your faith that produces salvation. But because of your salvation, because of your faith and belief, you automatically become obedient to God. A lot of people have it backwards. They think if you obey, then you get salvation. No, you, you, you come to Christ first. And as you walk with him, you begin to understand his ways, get to understand what he likes and what he dislikes. And that's where obedience comes in. That, that, that y'all get that? Y'all getting that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. You gotta, yeah, you gotta believe. And then the obedience comes. When right. you believe, you can't be right. obedient to something that you don't believe. Exactly. Very good. Very good. All right. So, obedience is a logical response to the greatness of our salvation. Boom, there it is right there. It is the sign and seal that we have been granted righteousness and forgiveness of sins. It is the outward display of our gratitude for God, not treating us as sins, as our sins deserve. So when we receive salvation and we trust and believe in God, we automatically, because of our heart towards God and our love towards God, we want to please God. So we become obedient. That's just like, okay, um, like a, a, a relationship with a daughter and, and a child, a mother and child or a parent and child, you know, you, you, you want to, you, you want to please your parents. So what do you do by wanting to please them? Because you love them. You obey them because you love them. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you don't get a butt whipping, but I mean, <laughs> But to show your love for somebody, to show your love for somebody because of where your heart is and how you feel about that person, you're going to, you know, you're going to, I don't want to say obey, but you're going to do right by them. Maybe that's a, a better term. You'll do right by that person. Yep, you do. Yep. Yep. You know, you'll do right by them. And because you love God, you're going to do right by him. And if God say, I don't like, I don't like, Daughter, I don't like, you know, you, 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 you talking like that. You saying those four letter words, all that cussing. You really need to stop cussing. I don't like that profanity. I don't like profanity. My word says profanity is a sin. Okay, God, let me stop cussing. God help me. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, he'll work on you. Then the Holy Spirit steps in and say, okay, we're going to take this. We're going to take this. We're going to take this from you. We're going to take this spirit of profanity from you. Because now you know that this is something that God doesn't want. And because your heart's in a place to please God, you're going to really get, you're going to get delivered. I don't like you wearing, you know, dressing like that is too provocative. So what are you going to do? You're going to start dressing a little bit more modest. You're not going to wear all the stuff that you used to wear, you know, when you were out in the world. Ain't nobody got to tell you nothing. Ain't nobody got to tell you, you know, your, your, that you, that your skirt too short and it's too tight and too revealing or, or your men pants too. Ain't nobody got to tell you nothing if you love God, because you know that God talks about modest apparel. Your spirit will convict you because of your love for him. And because you want to be obedient to him, you're going to make sure you're following the word. You're going to make sure that you are looking at what the law says. 
even though it's not necessary because he fulfilled it, but we still have to be obedient. And if he's saying, this is my commandments, then you go, okay, well, I'm going, I'm going to follow these commandments because this, this, I know God don't like. That's why with Abraham, you know, Abraham's faith came in before the circumcision because he wanted to make sure that when people come with this conversation that they're having, it ain't based upon circumcision. Abraham was, was, was counted as righteous before his circumcision. But yet he got circumcised afterwards as a sign and a seal of his salvation. Abraham then becomes the father of not only the Jews, but of everyone with faith that the one true God will forgive our sins and grant us eternal life. The righteousness that we strive for has nothing to do with our obedience to circumcision or any other requirement except the requirement to believe that God is who he say he is and that he will do for us what he says he will do, period. That's it. Ah, oh, I just love this. I love this. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. My, my, my. Okay. Any questions so far? Any comments? No. no. It just made me think about um, how certain individuals um talking about obedience when you get to a level in god there are some things that he will want you to do mm -hmm. just out of simple obedience you know not 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 that is necessarily a bad thing like i think about pastor tamara bennett and why she always ministers in white and she explained it she said i don't do it because i'm mimicking or anything like that she said the lord just told me that when i get up to preach to wear all white and that's it. And she and I have just been doing it for however many years since I've been in ministry. Since he took her, she used to wear suits. And he told her to start wearing white. And she did it. And she was like, it just, and it just made me think about even in the Bible, some of the prophets, how he had, you know, Ezekiel, you know, lay on his side. And how he had Jeremiah walk around with the burden on him. And there's just certain things, not saying that he'll have us do that now, but there's just some things as an act of obedience. Like he told me to stop, you know, addressing you know pop you know as john and start calling him you know pop like you know and it's just and, and it's, it's there's a, a submission in that and a lot of people miss it because they think like well i'm not doing why do i why do i have to be why do i have to be set apart why do i have to do this you know and it's like there's another level of salvation there's another level of deliverance there's another level of the process that you're going to Mm -hmm. When you are yielding, when you are submitted, there's another level of power and authority when you obey with simple things like that. And it could be simple as just don't wear earrings in your ear when you get up and minister. Mm -hmm. And that's, and there's nothing wrong with the earrings. It's just, that's just something that God will require of you. And you just have to be obedient and submissive to that because you don't know what that will do for somebody else, you know? So mm -hmm. that's, that's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. the whole obedience and apparel and stuff like there's some things that though it may not be a necessarily sin the bible doesn't 
you know, he, he had talks about modest apparel and stuff like that. There's some things that, you know, can be too revealing. There's some things it's just not. But there are some times where the Holy Ghost will instruct you to sh to shy away from something just because of, of your ministry, the type of ministry or the type of audience that you may have or be around or the mm -hmm. type of people that you're going to minister to, that you're called to, mm -hmm. you know, so that's just a thought. Yeah. There's a blessing in your yielding. Mm -hmm. remember we're yielded right, vessels right. we're yielded mm -hmm. to god because god yeah. you know some people may feel comfortable ministering in pants some mm -hmm. people still don't feel comfortable well they'll still wear a dress mm -hmm. the you know they won't grace the pulpit in pants yeah but they don't have they, they don't have a conviction they don't have you know they they're not you know it's it's not like is anything wrong with it like you said mm -hmm. but god may say i don't want you wearing pants in the pulpit wear a dress the Bible says that all things are lawful, but not expedient. There are certain things that, you know, it may be okay for, you know, some people to do, but where God is bringing you to do is not something that you should do. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Very good. Very good point. Because it's like, you know, because, it, okay, it's the life of Nazarene. Look what, look what happened with the life of Nazarene. Exactly. You know, they couldn't cut that's their right, hair. That's another one. Yep. yep. Drink strong drink. You know, they ha they couldn't touch any dead thing, you know. And so they couldn't what? Cut their hair. Yeah, they couldn't cut their hair. They couldn't wear a strong drink. And um, they couldn't touch a dead thing. I mean, because that was Samson. That Samson was a Nazarene. Mm -hmm. But Samson, he was a bad boy. <laughs> he cut up. <laughs> <laughs> Samson cut up, but his, you know, but that was, you know, one of the example of what God um, had required. Yeah. All right. Very good. Let's move on. We're going to go ahead on to chapter one, four. We're going to go from 13 all the way down, all the way down to the end. Okay. All right. So let's listen to the remaining of chapter four promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith for if they which are of the law be heirs faith is made void and the promise made of none effect because the law worketh wrath for where no law is there is no transgression therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed not to that only which is of the law but to that also which is of the faith of abraham who is the father of us all as it is written i have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even god who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone, 
that it was imputed to him, mm -hmm. but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That is powerful. So the promises of being a son or daughter of Abraham were and still are very important to the Jews. One of the ways in which the teaching of that inheritance was distorted in Paul's day was that only those who abided by the law were Abraham's true descendants. Wherewith they talk about with the circumcision. You know, Abraham was circumcised. So, you know, if you were circumcised, then you were considered Abraham's descendant because all the Jews got circumcised. Abraham got circumcised. All the Jews were required to get circumcised. And that's where the argument was coming in. That's where they were um, saying, you know, you know, so if you're a Gentile and you want to be considered in the number, you got to get circumcised. And they were like, we ain't got to get circumcised. And that's where the big argument was coming up. We see this conflict take place between Jesus and the Pharisees. And let's go. This is, I'm going to be reading um, John chapter eight. Okay. John chapter eight, verses 31 to 47. I'm going to read it. So you can follow along. But if you want to go there, it's John chapter eight, 31 to 47. And it says to the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? Jesus replied, Verily, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Mm. I'm telling you what I have seen in my father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's if you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you will love me. Mm. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus was bold, wasn't he? <laughs> he just played out told him, you belong to your father, the devil. 
He sure was, and I loved every bit of it. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is this is so. Oh god, he just like he went straight to the juggler. You <laughs> you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's des- desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Hmm. Jesus went so far as to say that those who try to justify themselves by their adherence to the law are not, in fact, descendants of Abraham. He told the Jewish leaders that in this way, they were actually children of the devil. Jesus' words must have been intolerably offensive to them, especially since he pointed out that they wanted to kill him, an act of obedience to their true father. In the same way, Paul makes it clear here in Romans that there are only penalties and wrath found in law, but there is freedom in the forgiveness and gift of grace from Jesus. Jesus made it clear that natural birthright was not what makes us children of Abraham. And that's in verse number 14. I wanted to point that out where it says for the promise, oh, verse number 13, for the promise that he would be heir of the word of the world was not to abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith so he was saying it wasn't just for the descendants of abraham wasn't for his actual lineage like his actual bloodline but it was for everybody who believes had the same faith that abraham possessed those are his children he was the very first one to believe like actually believe with a pure heart have faith faith um full assurance and true heart that's what faith you know represents a full assurance and true heart he truly honestly believed in god and he was the father the very first one to wholly believe in god that's why god made the promise with him because he saw that righteousness in abraham okay um i lost my place when i was reading okay jesus made it clear that the natural birthright was not what makes us children of abraham but our acceptance of the same faith that abraham had in that way it doesn't matter whether we are jews or gentiles we can all be abraham's children and inherit his promise Paul concludes this thought by speaking about the faith of Abraham and Sarah, that God would provide them a child in their old age. This may sound strange to many ears because Sarah was giving Hagar to Abraham to produce a child sounds like the very opposite of faith. It was certainly a low point for the two of them, but it is clear that neither of them wavered in their faith. What is clear was that after some considerable delay, they thought that maybe God had left it up to them to fulfill this important promise. After all, the act of 
creating offsprings isn't voluntary, so they took it upon themselves to find a way to fulfill God's promise. This wasn't the best decision, but it was still done in faith. Because of that faith, God even promised to bless the offspring of Hagar in the same way, that he would make Ishmael into a great nation and people. But the promises God had intended were not to be inherited by Hagar's descendant, but by Sarah's. How often do we do the same thing? Without wavering in our faith, we grow weary of waiting and take it upon ourselves to quote unquote, help God get the job done. How many have found themselves doing stuff like that? I have, I'm guilty of it. Mm-hmm. To the people and be like, well, I thought, you know, <laughs> you're like, mm, no, no, that, no, that's not what you thought. That's not what I thought. Didn't you, did I tell you that I was going to do this and so? So why are you, why are you trying to help me out? I got this. It'll sit your happy hips down somewhere. <laughs> and the crazy thing is a lot of us get impatient. And that's so what we we'll start about. off. We'll start off on the right path. Believe God. Trust that he's going to do something, but it takes too long for us. Mm-hmm. So that we want to start trying to get involved. And that's where we mess ourselves up. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we, because it's, you know, um, the patience have is perfect. How do I say that? We want a scripture. Patience. We have to work on patience. Let patience have its perfect work in you. And it, 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 that the scripture? Patience. I'm trying to find it. I'm asking that patience have its perfect work in you. Something like that. I think that is a scripture. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure I'm saying it right. But see, we we have to, we have to, we have to learn patience. And we don't like patience because with patience comes long suffering. And, and that's what we go through our tests and trials. And we be trying to get out them tests and trials quick, fast, and in a hurry. And God wants us to stay in there and stew a little bit. We don't want to. But in your patience, possess ye your soul. That's the other one too. Where is that? Where is that scripture? Let me find it now. Let me look and see where it is. Uh-huh. Luke 29, 21-19. In your patience possess ye your souls. Yes. Patience. Romans 5 and 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That's the scripture right there. Like nobody don't want, that's why nobody don't want to go through. Anybody got no patience? <laughs> <laughs> Are you choking because I said that? Or- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, Yeah, patience. Don't nobody want to go through that, but we need to go through. And and I hate to say that because in our going through, in our tribulations, we 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 learn patience. And there's a song that we used to sing, "You can't hurry, God. No, you have to wait. 
You have to trust him. No matter how long it takes. He's a God that you can't hurry. He'll be there. Don't you worry. He may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. You can't hurry. God. Ah. And if you, I'm just looking at, and I, I did a, um, I got my Bible, my uh, olive tree Bible up, my computer, and I'm, and I keyed in the word patience. And there's so many scriptures, and when I look at the word patience, I see long suffering, afflictions, uh, tribulations, um. Second Thessalonians 1 and 4 said that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Patience and faith. Patience and faith. Patience and faith. We have to have patience and trust God in the process. Can't be rushing, trying to get through it fast. You know, we have to be patient. You know, we have to wait on God. We have to just trust and believe that it's going to come. Amen. I'm still looking at it. Amen. James 1 and 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So when your faith is tried... That's how patience has worked. Your, your faith is put through a test. Here it is. But let patience have her perfect work that you may, you know what? I hit the button and it slid over. <laughs> and I lost it. The devil man. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That'll preach patience. Gotta have patience. So we have to learn to wait on God. And, you know, Abraham and Sarah was getting a little antsy. You know, they were old. You know, and then when you think about the whole scenario, you kind of understand. I mean, you understand. I mean, if you were put in that predicament, if you were put in that situation, I, I probably did the same thing. You know, I'm old. I can't have any more kids here. You know, take my take my concubine. Yeah, you know. Well, I know we're gonna get it. We're gonna have a child, you know. And 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 it was common back then that that the 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 men had you know the concubines had children as well from them. You know, it was nothing that was uncommon, but it was not what God had said. And that's what made it, you know, you know, not acceptable because they've done it. They do it all the time. They, and back in biblical times, you can see, if you look at the different lineages of, of children, you know, this one had this one by so-and-so the concubine, this one had this one by his wife, but then he had this one by the concubine. And, and, and you know, so you know, them handmaidens or concubines. So that wasn't, that was a common thing that they did. 
It's just that God was like, I told you it was going to be Sarah, not Hagar. I told you that you and Sarah was going to have a child. They believed that they were going to have a child, but they thought through Hagar. But God was saying, no, through Sarah. Y'all are going to have a child together. So, and that wraps it up for chapter four. Um, so next week you'll hit chapter five. I felt this was a good lesson. Anybody got anything they want to say? Anything they want to add to or comment? <clears throat> nope, I'm good. Any, any questions concerning uh, the, the lesson on tonight? Any questions, Pastor John? You have any questions concerning the lesson on tonight? No, not really. No, not really, or you do, but you kind of like pondering on asking it. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. Okay, all hearts and minds are clear. Amen. <laughs> okay, well, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this lesson on tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us, expounding, giving us deeper revelation of your word, giving us a deeper understanding of exactly what faith, obedience, salvation, righteousness, how it all adds up, God. We understand that our salvation is based on our faith and belief in you. It's not based on our obedience and that's not based on our works, but it's based on our faith and belief in you that obedience and works come as a result of our faith and belief. And God, we thank you for just opening our eyes to the truth and knowing that now that we know the truth, that we shall be set free. And God, we pray that as we continue this journey, this walk with you, Father, that you will continue to open our eyes, continue to give us the revelation that we seek after. Father, take us deeper into your word, Father. Help us to to. to, to to digest the word, to, to eat the whole scroll and get that that nutrients and, 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 and health and the, 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 the goodness out of it, the fat out of this word. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, that you will bless each and every one of us. Keep us covered under your precious blood. Until we meet again, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.